Welcome everybody to another one in our series of financial wellbeing podcasts. And this podcast is being recorded during the movement restrictions of the COVID-19 outbreak. So we're not quite sure what the conditions will be when you listen to this. But at the point at which we've recorded this, we're all sitting in our separate homes, uh, having a little audio chat and a video chat on Zoom. And so hopefully it'll all make sense when you hear it. My name's David Lloyd, co-host of the Financial Wellbeing Podcast, uh, actor, writer, broadcaster, and currently sitting twiddling my thumbs for large periods of time. And with me as well is Chris Budd. Who are you, Chris? Uh, you're an aspiring novelist as well, though, David, aren't you? Uh, well, yes, I am actually. Well, I'm a, a current novelist, but my novel is yet to be completed. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. Uh, so I wrote the Financial Wellbeing book. I'm also chairman of something called the Initiative for Financial Wellbeing, or IFW. Any financial advisors, planners, coaches, anybody in the financial services sector interested in the subject of financial wellbeing, please come and join us at the IFW. And Tom, who might you be? Uh, somebody who's never written a book <laughs> yet <laughs> yet yeah well i like the sound of my own voice so i'll stick to the uh the audio me- means of doing it uh yeah director and charter financial planner at ovation finance Excellent. there you go simple done and a reminder that these podcasts are based on the financial well-being book which chris has already mentioned uh, available on amazon at the moment but it's well worth a read and uh, I, I clearly i would say that wouldn't i but it's a, it's a very straightforward, simple book for those of you that like Oi. me, might perhaps... <laughs> what was that? Sorry? Oi, what do you mean, simple? Let me finish. Let it me took finish. me weeks to write that. No, I know. But it's for, those of you, for those of you like me that aren't perhaps as well-versed in the dark arts of finances as uh, Chris and Tomo, it actually lays it out in a very easy to understand way that actually demystifies a lot of the stuff around money. So thank you. Is that better, Chris? Much better. You're happy now. (laughs) (laughs) Having massaged your bruised ego, tell (laughs) tell us what's on today's podcast. So today we're going to have a chat with a gentleman called Will Carmichael, founder of, of something called Rooster Money, which is an app that is intended and designed to give positive money habits for, well, it's for young people, but as we will discover in the podcast, I actually think a lot of adults would benefit from it as well. Uh, in, true indeed, yes. Uh, a, a very interesting interview uh, it was too, and I'm looking forward to talking about that later on. So usually at this stage, we have uh, questions that have been sent into Ovation, but at the moment, things as they are, well, we don't have any. So instead, we're going to go to... <laughs> I think it's more more to the point that the questions I'm getting at the moment might not be relevant when this goes out. Um, it's it's a period of flux at the moment. So I, I don't want... It, I, don't, I want this podcast to still be evergreen. So the questions I'm getting are really quite in the moment. So I'm not sure how, how beneficial they would be. Okay, I'll, I'll ask a question. Tom, what do you do when the stock market goes down by 30%? <laughs> what, what do you do? You, unfortunately, the, 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 the frank answer is you sit on your hands and you wait for these things to recover because they do. But that's a really dry response. Uh, the other way is to speak to a trusted advisor and talk through your worries if you have them because it's natural for us to feel loss more than gains. That's, that's inherent in our in our psyche and often you'll probably find that although the stock market or the FTSE has gone down by 30% you'll often find that perhaps your portfolio isn't 100% invested in the FTSE or at least I would suggest that it (laughs) you may want to think about it if it is in the future so you might find that that the drops have not been quite quite that 
that much. But remember, it's it's temporary. Investing is a long-term thing. And it's about as uncomfortable as it is, sitting tight and finding somebody to share those concerns with, but but sit tight and this too shall pass. Good advice, Tomo. Thanks for that. Now, you talked earlier about us all being in a, a never-ending state of flux, but there are some constant things that remain the same throughout all of this. And one of them is, of course, Tomo, your ability to come up with tight-ass Tomo tips. Before we do, Chris, have you got anything at all? I do, actually, yeah. Um, make your own washing powder. So I was looking the other day at, um, there's, there's a, a place in a local to me in Nailsea where they take your, you take your, your tub in and then they'll fill up your, your tub with, with washing powder. And I was just wondering, well, is it possible to do this yourself? And it turns out it is. You can do your own fabric conditioner and you can do your own washing powder with uh, some vegetable oil, washing soda crystals and essential oils to give it a nice flavor. So uh, it's just easy to Google it. I'm not going to tell you where to go because loads of like, recipes. But uh, yeah, save yourself a bit of money by making your own washing powder. Right. And my, actually, I have a similar tip at the beginning of the restrictions. Uh, if you remember, thinking back now, hopefully it won't apply when you listen to this. Uh, a lot of people went out and panic bought goods. And there were certain things that you just couldn't get. One of them was tin tomatoes. So I'm going to tell you how you can make your own tin tomatoes. What you need to do is get yourself a tin, rinse it out, wash it out, get yourself some tomatoes, chop the tomatoes up very small and put them in the tin. And there you have your old (laughs) tinned tomatoes. And here's a chef's tip. You can actually make that even easier by missing out the tin altogether (laughs) and just chopping up the tomatoes and put them in your food. I'm not sure it'll save you money because even though you can buy tomatoes very cheaply from your local greengrocer, they're probably not quite as cheap. But there are certain ways around everything. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, there's an an anti tight ass tomo tip here as well they're talking about that panic buying the guy in america i think there was a few of them one particularly got a lot of publicity who bought seventeen thousand bottles or something like that of hand wash and then tried to sell them on amazon for 30 dollars each when the shops ran out and amazon actually stopped it um he they cancelled his account which meant he had a cannery full of hand wash which he couldn't get rid of which i hopefully taught him a little bit of a lesson I remember a story from a supermarket. It was either Holland or Denmark. I can't remember. And they were selling uh, one bottle of hand sanitizer for one euro, two bottles of hand sanitizer for 100 euros. A <laughs> Great idea. Right. Tomo, what have you got for us? Uh, well, it was it's something that I've noticed whenever I'm looking to buy something. Now, I take quite a long time to buy things when I've just... You can imagine I'm tight. So when I think, oh, I might want something, I take forever to buy it. And it really frustrates my wife. But I notice that when I look for something online and I maybe pop it in the basket and then don't quite click buy, all of a sudden, a day or so later, if you go on your social media or your emails, you all of a sudden get these little prompts or promotions for a particular company. Uh, that you were looking to buy it from. And it, it doesn't happen all the time. But maybe that's worth trying, that if you've found something you'd really like, pop it in the basket, and maybe wait a couple of days to see if things pop up on your social media and emails. Now, I know that's a bit big brother and a bit creepy, but heck, you might be able to save a bit of money if, if all of a sudden a promotion comes through. 
Oh, that's not a bad idea. I might give that a go. Actually. That's just using know. using the algorithms in your favour, isn't it? I like that yeah. idea a lot, Tom. I, it always strikes me as really, really silly that the algorithms tell you um, how to buy things you've just bought. I've got no uh, concrete evidence to say this will work 100% of the time, but I've noticed a few times. But yeah, yeah, there you go. Use the algorithms in your favour. Good, Good tip. tip. Once again, fantastic for that, Tomo. Thank you very much. Right, Chris, the main event, the interview. Yeah, so Will Carmichael, uh, founder of Rooster Money. I really enjoyed this. It will be of particular interest to people with kids who are trying to train their kids into good habits with money. But it is of interest to everybody because there are lots of things in here that we can all learn from. So, yeah, have a listen to my chat with Will Carmichael. So, Will, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks very much for having me on, Chris. Um, So you're in New York at the moment. I am, yes. Very exciting. I've never been to New York. Is it it's an amazing city, as people say? It's it's a really fun city. So, look, could you want to just, for the sake of our listeners, just introduce yourself and why you are coming on our lovely Financial Wellbeing podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So, my name's Will Carmichael. I'm CEO of Rooster Money. Rooster Money is a, a pocket money app. We're designed to help families with children between the age of four to fourteen start developing positive money habits. So I'm really excited to, to come on the show to talk, I guess, a little bit about how, how you can engage your kids in that early stage with money. Yeah, and, and you've used that phrase habits, which is something that comes up a lot on our, on our podcast for good decision making and, and how we, we, we get bad decisions come about because we have bad habits. And of course, you're now getting those habits at a very early age. So how do we get our children to good money habits from the, from the very start? Yeah, so, I mean, it's one of the reasons that I really got into what I, I sort of call financial capability kids is that that opportunity when you think about, you know, over 40% of what we do every day is put down to habit as adults, then, you know, those habits that we develop early on do stick with us. And there's a lot of the research that came out, um, Cambridge University's done it huge amount on it around money habits forming by the age age of seven you know understanding opportunity cost understanding you know do you have to save towards things and in the same way that you know it's much easier as a child age six to learn a language i believe the language of money can be learned at that early stage so by starting early by making it practical by making it contextual and and really talking about money which you know, society isn't very good at, you can put them on a, on a path that, that will give them habits that, that will stick with them for life. I've never heard that statistic before. 40% of what we do is down to habits. That's a fascinating subject. You've never got me thinking about what I've been doing all day long. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, there's a great book that was, I guess, so someone called Neer Isle, who does a lot of lecturing at Harvard, um, produced a book called Hooked. And it looked at why do we use Instagram so often why did pinterest become a thing and that's really interesting when you look at and and, you know we can talk a little bit about how technology can be an enabler or it can also be it can be an issue but it it shows that you know those drivers to habit will push us into all sorts of different things so yeah not always not always ones that are good for us presumably no no, but I think that's our huge opportunity around habit formation early on is that, that you can use that for, for positive purposes. Mm. So you said practical and contextual um, are important words in helping to create good habits. Can you describe what you mean by that? So I, 
I guess if it, it's the same about teaching your kids about the right and you know the right way to cross a road safely you don't really do that in front of a blackboard you do it standing by the side of the road and being able to talk to them about it and I very much see that the same with money it's it's a very practical thing and by making it contextual as part of the everyday and I like to talk about sort of teachable moments um, you can make it relevant. There, I, you know, I went through so many classes at school where I just didn't see the relevancy of what I was being taught. And with money, that's something you can do. So, you know, good kind of examples of that is utility bills. When you get a utility bill through the door, you can actually start talking to your kids about how that's calculated, obviously depending on age, but how that's calculated, what it costs, why you get annoyed that they leave the lights on or the doors open. Same with going to the supermarket and trying to work towards a budget and what it costs for a family shop. Is those things where you start connecting, okay, money's involved, it costs this amount and it has this impact. And I think that's that's again the opportunity and why parents are an amazing vehicle to to get kids engaged with money. So it's about involving them in the conversation then. Totally. Fundamentally, like, you know, if you look at the, the major issues around um, money and debt and all those sorts of things, a, a lot of it is, it, you know, it stems from confidence and confidence comes from talking about money and understanding it. And that doesn't mean you need to be Gordon Gecko about it. It just means it's about having conversations, talking about what you're doing. And, and actually, there's additional research that's come out to show that, that as, as adults, talking to kids about money can actually change how we start to manage money yeah. too. Yeah, I can imagine that, yeah. What age would you say should we start giving our kids pocket money? So, you know, I, I think it, it totally depends. Siblings can be very influential. So older siblings earning pocket money will often mean that, that the younger sibling might get onto it a bit earlier. But we, we tend to find that, that on Rooster Money, so we produce something called the Pocket Money Index, um, where we look at when kids start getting it. We find by the age of five or six, children are, are earning it. We have children as young as four getting some pocket money, or you've got parents awarding stars instead of money. So when it tends to be a bit more behaviorally related. So I think you can start really early. You can start with stars. It's the same concept that you earn something and then you can redeem something with it. And then you can move them into money when the time's right. And as I say, that that can kind of work work that early. Some parents will find that they bring them in a little bit later. Interesting that there was a little use of language there that gave my gave me away and a mistake I suspect I made with my kids because I said give them money. You said earn money. <laughs> I look, I it's it's always a hot debate. Should you should you just give money to your kids? Um, should there be parameters? Should they earn it individually through through chores? And I think, you know, the key thing is to get into a routine and how have you do it. I think giving it regularly is a really good thing. I think having some parameters can really help. So, you know, we talk about kind of good citizenship in the home. So you won't necessarily pay them for every time they take the bins out, but they might get their, their allowance or their weekly pocket money for making sure that they do do those things. And I think that that sense of earning also helps with an understanding of what that value is. You know, I've, I've had to work to get this. And therefore, I'm going to be more considered in in what I do with it. Mm. I know uh, a friend of mine, another older son, who's about 16, and he he was often offered the opportunity to cut the grass for a tenner. 
And uh, he couldn't be bothered, you know, so his dad was telling me. And then he started working, doing washing up at the local pub at £4 an hour. And he suddenly realised just what a good deal <laughs> that he'd been turning down all those years, you know. So I could definitely see the, the reward part. Is there any psychology or any, any logic behind whether it's better to give pocket money or stars or whatever reward for work as opposed to taking it away if you don't do something? Yes, I, I think I think, you know, that's a really tough one. Certainly as a parent, you know, it's something you think about a lot. I, I think, you know, I think that the taking it away is it depends on the context, but that's not, you know, that's not necessarily usually how it plays out in life, that that it will be taken away once you've earned it. You might waste it. You might find that if you don't pay something off, you'll get charged and effectively you'll lose it because you'll get billed for that. So I think trying to focus on the positivity of earning it. If you, you know, holding it back, if perhaps you need to realign expectations can can often kind of lead to, to I guess, a, a more positive experience. Mm, yeah, but I, I think the use of the word positive there is the key, isn't it? You want to try and get people into good habits, not necessarily punish them not for not doing things the way you want them to be done. Yeah, and, and I think you you might see that change a little bit with stars, and when you're you're starting a little a bit earlier when it is behavioural. Although I think you know a lot of kind of certainly parents on rooster will very much you know they'll give stars, but you just won't get them if if you're not not doing what what they're trying to get you to do. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of external pressures that exist, especially advertising to kids, for example. I'm thinking of. Um, mm. that start you know, encouraging you to buy stuff that you don't necessarily need. I also think about, I think back to my kids when they were little, we used to have you know, all their friends come around for a birthday party, it'd be 20, 20 kids, and they'd all bring a present. And all the parents agreed a maximum of a fiver, which was great. But we still had a long present opening session where one you know, wrapper would be ripped off. The, oh, look, that's interesting. Throw that aside. Where's my next one? You know? And there was no appreciation because there were just so many, that there's lots of things that are coming in, which I think end up making us form bad money habits, aren't they? How do we inoculate our children from some of those? Yeah, and the birthday one's a really tough one. And I, I don't think there's any, you know, silver bullet on it. I think, you know, making it clear what's normal and isn't, you know, but that also kind of comes with age too. I think going back to, you know, and I, I always reiterate it, but those conversations about money, and having them regularly and having positive ones really helps with that that inoculation. And and this is where pocket money can be useful because if you're giving it regularly, then kids they understand that they can start putting it towards a goal and saving towards that thing. And they know that they'll hopefully get their allowance next week and they'll be a bit closer to that. And that means that you can then start having conversations. A classic one you might have seen in a supermarket or experienced yourself is, you know, kids want to get a magazine with a plastic toy on the front and you know they're not really going to read it they're actually quite expensive but rather than just saying no to them which you'll often see a parent having going no I've already bought you things you can actually turn around and go okay do you really want to get that we're gonna we're gonna you know in the case of Rooster you say we're gonna take it off your Rooster Money account you're saving up for that Lego Death Star that you've been saving up for five months for and and by getting this there's going to be an opportunity cost. You're going to be a little bit further away from that. And, and that's an amazing kind of aha moment 
for the kids to understand that you you have to save towards these things yeah, yeah. Um, it's not just instant gratification birthdays tend to be a little bit more instant gratification and and that's a, that's a hard one to steer but but there are definitely those opportunities to to show kids look you know uh, with a positive outcome you can get towards that bigger goal mm. my my children are a little older than your than your market but i think there's a good example here with my son who's been doing a part-time job He's got his own bank account now, but he's also got really into records. I don't know where he got that from. Um, <laughs> so uh, he's been really enjoying just kind of buying up some records. He got a statement in and it showed that he'd spent over the last six months £750. Now, he had no idea that he'd even earned that much money, let alone that he'd spent it, you know. And yeah. he's now a little bit more picky about which record he goes out and buys. So you're getting that sort of habit and that sort of realization that engagement in from a very young age then aren't you that and it's totally that and and you know it's also celebrating like one of the things that we did in rooster money was to be able to show children the previous goals they've saved towards and reached because you build up that sense of of achievement and i've done these things rather than you know one kind of key learning that that we've certainly seen is that if children get little bit amounts of money, then they're more likely to go out and get sweets because you can kind of say, well, look, I've got, I've got a couple of quid. I can get something. But it's as soon as they get to a certain point where they've saved a little bit that they suddenly realize, do you know what? I can actually get that bigger item and I can work towards it. And they can see what they incrementally add to, to it. And they understand where that's going to take them. And, and I think that that is the, the big opportunity. So, there's a bit of interesting bit of psychology here then, isn't there? Because if I think of the, you know, how, how was the archetypal kid saving? It's a piggy bank. And we actually have a cast iron pig, which is a, which has got a hole in the top piggy bank. We put all the money in it, but we can't see it. So I have absolutely no idea how full that piggy bank is, how much is in there and therefore how much closer to my goal is. But by actually having it on an app and being able to see the number and getting closer to your thing that you want to do it makes it much more real then I guess doesn't it yeah and you know our big challenge now as we become increasingly cashless and and you know very much in the context of kids you're carrying less cash on you so you can't hand that over is how do you make it feel tangible again you know the way that we pay for things it it is by your watch you can pay in crypto you can you know order your uber and then only find out the next day how much you've spent they make it seamless or one click on amazon so these are these are challenges but that technology is created but as i sort of also sort of mentioned earlier i think that technology can be a great enabler so that pocket money jar that that sits at home or you might end up having a couple isn't on the school run with you or it's not on holiday with you and the app can be and you can absolutely visualize that and set a you know upload a photo set the goal see the progress understand how much more you got to save and and that can sort of drive really positive money habits like one of the other things is we we encourage children you can do this with jam jars if you want to do it offline but you can have a spend save give pot and we encourage them to to break down what they want to do with their money and over 40 percent of what children earn on rooster money is saved now when you compare that with kind of what we as adults do and i think the latest report suggested we might manage to save around five percent of what we earn yes it's 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 to an extreme but again it's reinforcing that habit that hopefully 
we'll we'll stick with them. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, there's, there's I I think a lot of adults that could do with your app. <laughs> Never mind just kids. There's there's habits that are being formed in there which uh, which we could all do with. I think. So look, just to finish up, then this is fascinating stuff. You've given a few uh, specific tips and ideas. Have you any other tips that uh, parents can use and how to help their children understand their relationship to money? Yeah. So say like. The more conversations, the better. Make it part of the everyday. As I said, those utility bills, when you go to the shops to do the, the weekly shop, or if you're doing it online, that's a great opportunity to get your kids involved. You can actually save some money too, because you know a great one is to say, okay, we need to do an energy switch. Why don't you find us the cheapest deal? And I'll, I'll give you a cut. Um, and then you can turn it into a bit of a competition. Giving po- pocket money regularly can be a really great way of just allowing, as I say, that opportunity to to get your kids thinking about goals they want to say towards. It will also reduce pressure on, you know, kind of ad hoc spending because you can you can give them a set amount. And this is actually something we talk about is this sort of pocket money paradigm by actually giving pocket money regularly, you as a parent can save yourself some money because you're just not sort of having to fish into your pocket every time you're you're out shopping show children the opportunities to earn. So you might want to give a, a weekly regular amount and just say well look to get these you need to be that good citizen you need to keep your room tidy you need to help you know us in the kitchen take the bins out but you can also say well look if you clean the car whether it's 10 pounds or 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 less um i think my dad paid me about two pounds for a car so he got a good deal but um (laughs) you know by, by showing them the extra opportunities to earn that's the kind of boost to get them towards that goal early and encouraging them to set goals and targets Children are really aspirational and they really do achieve, you know, things. And we see, you know, kids saving up for for big ticket items, you know, those big Lego sets, Nintendo Switch, phones, putting money towards, you know, holidays. If you give them the opportunity, they'll they'll really get involved in those things and ultimately put them in in charge of, of their money. Yes, with parameters and you as a parent can keep oversight. But, you know, and something that we just built in the UK is a, a visa debit card so that it can move children into that when, when they're ready and keep those kind of controls. And it's, it's allowing them to go out and make considered spending choices. And, and ultimately, that, that may mean some hard lessons from when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, that's so interesting. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and enjoy yourself in New York, won't you? Thank you very much. And, and thanks again for having me on. Well, fascinating interview. Sounds like a really nice guy, actually. And in New York, lucky chap. I know, yes. Um, Now, I was struck by a few things in there, actually. And he talked about developing good habits and how you can develop those, you know, very early early on. And I was also struck that actually good habits come from the same place as bad ones. Uh, so you know the bad habits that we have we might drink too much you know maybe we smoke or we eat the wrong sort of food but do they all come from the same place that says oh I must I must uh, make sure that I look after my money sensibly and they become ingrained and they become a form of learned behavior yeah I would question whether all of those things are bad habits (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I think that's uh, 40 percent 40 percent of what we do is down to habit isn't that amazing? So to understand these things and to do, you know, 
got to actually do something about it. For things to change, you've got to practically make them change. You know, so that was the thing for me is is uh, is that we have to actually do some stuff. Um, I also really liked the the point about relevance. He he made the comment that a lot of the stuff that he he studied at school he struggled with because he couldn't see the point. And my kids have just finishing their their education, and they've made this comment a lot of the time. You know, the the stuff they learn at, at GCSE level, they couldn't see what was the point of it. And I, at the time, I couldn't really argue with them. I had to be honest. So making anything that you teach to people somehow relevant that they can get the context of it will help them to learn it. And that's a really good tip. Yeah, the notion that get... kids that that we need to teach our children that money has an impact on their everyday lives as well. And I, and I, I was very taken with that. I don't think when I was a kid, my my parents probably thought they were protecting me. So kind of, yeah, I used to get pocket money and everything, but I never really understood the value of money until I had money of my own, really. So I think that's a really useful thing to be teaching our children. I worry in our national psyche that talking about money is deemed as crass. And when you're talking about what something costs, value, et cetera, is is deemed, stop talking about money. Why is it always focused? And that's not, the point is just introducing people to the concept of money um and i'm really trying to rack my brain with how i'm going to introduce it to my young son toby is he, he's he's three so i'm not overly concerned right now but are some of the things that i say does he pick up on you know i'm tight ass tomo so do i want him to have all of those you know behaviors it can be unhealthy to be too tight and i've worked really hard on that to make sure that actually when i value spending my money on a certain thing i'm quite happy to spend it and that's taken a bit of a a a journey for me and i yeah i'm going to be looking at this in a lot more detail this particular app and i I think anything that helps to educate young people on on what money is about and what's important to them and what they value i think is terrific so yeah all power to their elbow well i had a little look at uh, at the rooster pocket money index which is really quite fascinating you know the amount of money that different kids get at different ages and it, it reminded me, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, there's an app that I use, and I'm sure other similar ones are available, called Moneybox, where basically it rounds up your money automatically. It collects. It's the equivalent of loose change down the back of a sofa or at the bottom of your cricket bag. So every time I spend money on my account, it rounds it up to the nearest pound. I've been doing that for about six months now. I've got almost 500 pounds in there. Wow. Check, you know, And that's not even habit. That's just I don't even have to think about that but it's just a way of accumulating money in that way. One of the things that I'm interested in at the moment is financial coaching. Financial coaching is helping people to understand their relationship to money. And usually it involves changing and getting healthier habits. And Catherine Morgan, who is one of the executives of the Initiative of Financial Wellbeing and is heading up our financial coaching stream. By the way, great tight ass Tomo tip for her. The furloughing may or may not still be a thing by the time mm. this podcast goes out. But she suggested that she said to her kids, sorry, kids, but you're going to have to be furloughed. You were going to only get 80% of your pocket money from that <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? I wonder if that and they would, and they, and they would then come back and say, well, obviously that I'm not allowed to work. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, then, then she said, in fact, I took it one step further. I said to the two of them, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to let one of you go. <laughs> <laughs> but look, the, the, the serious point here is that financial coaching is all about changing our bad habits with money. What Will's all about, and Rooster Money is all about, is getting those habits right in the first place. Mm. I think that's a, a fantastic idea. I, I, I really enjoyed that interview. 
Yeah. Okay. And I hope you enjoyed it too. And we hope you're all safe and well at home. And we hope also that you will join us the next time for another one of our financial wellbeing podcasts. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think.